Good afternoon, City Church. It's so great to see you today. I want to thank you for being with us. This is a very special weekend because this is City Church's 20th Easter in Central Florida. Come on, 20th, 20th anniversary, 20th Easter. 20 years ago, 11 people moved from Seattle to Central Florida with one dream, and that was to bring God's love to our city. And today, we've gone from that small handful of people to the last 20 years this weekend. We have six Easter weekend experiences. Can you give God a great big hand? Come on. Let's give him a great big hand today. We're so honored that you are here with us this afternoon. When you came in today, you received what we call the City Church Weekly, and Melanie did a great job of explaining it. And just real quick, uh, just a couple of things uh, here on the top, some information about the church. Uh, the connection part in the bottom is a place for you to fill out your name. And uh, on the very bottom, there's some letters, A, B, C, D, and I'm going to go over those uh, at the end of the service today. And on the back side, for those of you that have children, there's directions concerning our Easter egg hunt that's going to be taking place immediately following this service. Today is Easter or Resurrection Weekend, and people who identify as a Christian or Christ followers all over the world will make a trek to a house of worship. There will be many, many people who don't normally even attend church will, will find themselves in a place of worship. And someone once asked, what is Easter? What is Resurrection? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked today. I'm going to give you the cliff note version of what the resurrection is. 2,000 years ago, there was a man by the name of Jesus. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us is that he was God with human skin on. And in heaven's glory, the Bible says the Father sent him to earth. He came to earth. He was born of a woman who had never had marital relations. She was a virgin. And through this virgin birth, this supernatural virgin birth, this little baby would grow up to become the man of God, the man that God had called him to be. That was the Savior of the world. Jesus would live for 30 years, and the Bible said that he, the Bible says that he would grow in wisdom and knowledge and in favor with God and man. And at the age of 33, at the age of 30, he began to preach a message. He began to tell people about good news, God's good news. God had a plan for their life. And the only way that they could have a relationship with that God was through him. And let me tell you, that message rocked his generation. The religious people of his day weren't excited about that message because people were turning to him. Miracles were happening. Lives were being changed. Blinded eyes were being opened. People who had been lame from birth, never walked, would rise up and walk. Feeding thousands of people with just a couple of loaves of bread and a few fishes. Miracle after miracle substantiated who Christ was. And after three years of telling people the good news of God's plan for their life, the Bible says they hung him on a tree. But Jesus said, you know, they're going to put me on a tree. I'm going to die, but I'm going to die for the sins of the world. But death cannot hold me down. And on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead. Come on, let's give God a great big hand today. Jesus is alive. I don't care. You can name a religion. You can name some kind of deity. You can name some kind of God that people follow on our planet today. But there's only one that went into the grave, but the grave couldn't hold them. Three days later, Jesus arose. And the Bible tells us because Jesus arose, he's alive, to, uh, he's alive in our lives today. 
There was a man who lived around the time of Christ. But when Jesus was ministering on earth, he rejected that truth. One day, this young man who, who was a radical, he was a zealot. Some people would even call him a ter terrorist. He would persecute people who believed in the way, who were followers of Jesus. One day, he was on his way to consent to the death of Christians. And the Bible says he had an encounter. Who did he have an encounter with? He had an encounter with the resurrected Jesus. And in that moment, Jesus became alive to a man by the name of Paul. And Paul would go on to talk about this experience, what happened inside of him. And the Bible says in Philippians chapter 3, this was Paul's prayer. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. It was the mighty power of God that raised Jesus from the dead, the power of his resurrection. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I will experience. Paul wanted to experience that resurrection. Today, we're kicking off a brand new series entitled Untold Stories. You're going to hear some stories of people who've encountered this resurrected Jesus. You're going to hear the story next week of a person who has had to deal with great grief and suffering. And then the following week, you're going to hear the story of a person who's had to walk through forgiveness, forgiving herself, forgiving others. It's a powerful story. And then on Mother's Day, we're going to gather together and hear the story of resurrection, of the perseverance of a miracle in a family's life, how God and his resurrection power became real to them. Today, today in our culture, in our generation, there's a quest. There's a quest to know something greater, to know something bigger. Uh, inside of every single person, there's a desire for happiness I came across an article this week. The article was dealing with the quest of happiness and personal fulfillment. And it says it like this. It says, most of us get happy all wrong. This is because we were raised to think that life is supposed to make us feel good. We were taught to avoid pain like the plague. Because negative events cause negative emotions and negative feelings are not meant to be felt. The result is that we grow up in a pain-adverse culture and we crumble at the first sign of stress because our emotional training wheels never come off. The quest for happiness, the quest for meaning, the desire for significance can cause us at times to do things that aren't healthy in our relationships, cause us to make decisions that aren't healthy to our physical bodies, not even ultimately not healthy to our spiritual reality. Today, I want to introduce you to a young man by the name of Dylan who tried to avoid the pain in his life. I want you to hear his story. I am Dylan Drew Kazax. I grew up in a Jewish household. In my household, God wasn't a big thing. I actually called myself agnostic because I didn't know and I didn't really want to know. It didn't really matter to me. Uh, we went to good schools growing up in New Jersey and everything. Sophomore year, I was really quiet, really shy. I was overweight, so people would pick on me here and there, and that kind of didn't help with the social anxiety that I, that I experienced. I was looking to be accepted. I ended up partying a lot and ended up drinking a lot in high school. Going to parties and, and, uh, and drinking and, and smoking weed, that was all tools that I used to be more social. 
and to feel more accepted. An ex-girlfriend of mine was, was doing cocaine, and so I tried that for the first time with her. And then my brother was also doing that, and that became a thing for me for a little while. And then I got introduced to opioids, uh, Oxycontin, and then I became addicted to it. Uh, it got to the point that I started stealing. I started sneaking into my mom's room. Like, I would go in there and I would take, like, 20 bucks. And then I would go in there and I would take, like, 40 bucks. And my mom found out about it, obviously. She, she confronted me about it. Hey, you know, what's going on? Where's all the money? And I broke down, and that was, like, the first time she found out that I had a, a, a drug problem. A couple of my friends went to the methadone clinic and that really helped. And so that was my first experience with like a rehab, kind of like a substitute. You take it every day so you don't withdraw. And if you don't take it, you withdraw. So it's really just a substitute. It's not, it's not a, a means to an end. If you don't go within a certain time, they lock you out. So you can't get your methadone dose for the day. I got locked out uh, a couple times during that year. And what did I do? I didn't want to withdraw, so I went and I bought drugs. I ended up relapsing and going back and, and, and doing the opioids again. I got in trouble. I got arrested for stealing. I was going up and down major buildings like hotels and stuff like that and there was these brass caps on the fire hydrant tubes. Those were made of brass and brass is, is expensive. You could go and scrap it. And so I would go and I would just rip off those caps and I would take them to the scrapyard and make like 200 bucks and I would go and get drugs. I was in jail for like three months awaiting trial. Every day I was calling my dad. I was like, dad, dad, get me out. Please dad, get me out. I'm going to change. I'm going to do good. So after a week calling him every day, he bailed me out. A couple days later and ended up relapsing again. He uh, drove me to jail the next day. I took jewelry from my mom. I knew that I took something precious, a bangle that my dad gave her, like when they were first going out, and, I, and she had it for a long time. And I, and I ended up selling that to, to buy drugs. And that next day I was like, I was like, I can't do this. I keep doing this, you know, like I can't stop. It's like, I don't have control. Like I wanted to be better. I didn't want to be this broken criminal that I've become. I won't just survive Oh, you will see me thrive Can write my story I'm beyond the archetype I won't just conform No matter how you shake my core Cause my roots, they run So little faith Don't doubt it, don't doubt it Oh, victory is in my veins I know it, I know it And I will not negotiate I'll fight it, I'll fight it I, I will, will transform And the fire's at my feet again And the vultures all start circling They're whispering Call on my angels They say 
doubt it, don't doubt it. Victory is in my veins. You know it, you know it, and you will not negotiate. Just fight it, just fight it, and be transformed. When the fire's at my feet again, and the vultures all start circling, and whispering. Thank you. Psychologists today tell us that one out of 10 people in America have an addiction to substance, some kind of substance that has a negative impact on their life. They also tell us it isn't just substances that people get addicted to. There's also control disorders, things that just seem to be compulsive in people. They can't seem to stop. Uh, There's behavioral addictions, these things that uh, are common in our culture today, men addicted to porn, people addicted to food, behaviors and things that are very destructive in their life. And they get on like the prophet Ozzy Osbourne said, they get on the crazy train and they just can't seem to get off. The problem, the problem is this. We can call it whatever we want to call it today. The problem today, the Bible simply calls it sin. It's a little three-letter word that defines the problem with the human heart. Many years ago, there was a a book written by a Harvard uh, professor entitled, Whatever Happened to Sin? Whatever Happened to Sin? Uh, The fact is today that all of us deal with this problem of sin in our life. Sin is simply missing the mark. There's a perfect mark. Only one person ever hit that mark. His name was Jesus All the rest of us born into humanity have a problem. It's a sin problem. We're born into it. Blaise Pascal, a really smart guy that lived a long time ago, he said it like this. He said, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man, every woman, every person, every child. There's a God-shaped vacuum inside of our heart which cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God the creator, made known through Jesus. All of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of God's perfect standard in our life. It's exactly what the Bible says. We also know it experientially. We know that we live in a broken world. Now, here's the deal. Don't get me wrong. Sin can feel good. Holding a grudge can feel good. Make you feel better in the moment. Unleashing that anger that frustration and letting someone know how you really feel. In the moment, it can feel good. 
that smoke, that toke, that joke, whatever it is in your life that you're trying to fill the void of your heart with. In the moment, it can feel good. Or why would we do it? Come on, why would we do it? Why would we do things that we know have the potential to destroy our lives? It has short-term pleasurable benefits, but long-term terrible consequences. The Bible says in the book of Romans, it says it like this, when people sin, they, when people sin, they earn what sin pays. Sin has a payday. Sin has a payday. Undealt with sin in my life has a payday. It's called death. But God gives his people a free gift. Everyone say free gift. Free gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what fills the vacuum of the human heart? What fills your vacuum today? You say, well, I don't have a problem with an addiction. Maybe you're on this pursuit of trying to climb up the ladder of corporate success and you get to that next rung and what I've discovered, the higher up you go, generally the more problems you have. And that, uh, that ladder you go, you hope to hit the next, next rung, the next paycheck, the, the next dollar amount, the next bigger sale, but at the end it never satisfies. There's always a sense of there's got to be something more. Sex doesn't fill it. Money doesn't fill it. Pleasure doesn't fill it. There's only one thing that can fill it today. You know what the answer is? The resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Someone said amen. So I want to talk to you for the next couple of moments. What does this resurrection, what does it mean to me? The first thing you got to know is that for me personally, the resurrection means that my past has been forgiven. My past has been forgiven. The Bible says it like this. He was handed over. He was handed over to die because of our sins. And he was raised to life to make us right with God. Oh, what the resurrection means to me is that my sin, my sins that nailed Christ to the cross caused him to be raised from the dead. And I can now have a right relationship with God. Be in right relationship with God. That vacuum-shaped hole in my heart can be filled. This is how it happens in your life. This is how it happened in my life. You heard Dylan. He talked about, I, I broke down. I just can't keep doing this. I, I don't want to keep doing this. You have a conscience. All of us in this room have a conscience. It's your moral equilibrium. It's what keeps you from going out the deep end and doing crazy and wild things. There's something inside of you, a moral compass that says certain things are right, certain things are wrong. I mean, your conscience, because of the way you've been raised, maybe your religious upbringing or the family you grew up in or the educational background that you have, your conscience shapes your life and the choices that you make. The problem with the conscience is that it's not perfect. You can't live your own truth. Today, Beyonce wants to live her own truth. She can live her own truth. But just because you live your own truth doesn't make it right. Just because you live your own truth, it doesn't mean that it's right. Your conscience can be faulty. Therefore, that's why we need God's resurrection power to come. And he convicts us. He shows us that we're wrong. God's spirit comes and says, you know what? That's wrong. Your life is broken. You can't fix it. You can't fill it. You can't change it on your own. So the problem is universal, but the solution is universal. 
this last week on Monday in, in Paris, France, in the heart of the city, in the heart of Western civilization, a building, uh, a cha- uh, not a chapel, a cathedral called Notre Dame burned from the inside. It was a horrific fire. You saw the images. You saw the flames. You saw people standing around that cathedral that was over 900 years of age, holding some of the most precious artifacts in the world. I mean, incredible artifacts, things that are irreplaceable. There were two pictures that came across the wire that struck my attention this week as I was reading about this and watching, and just like you, kind of just in awe, just in awe of the response of people around the world. The first one was an image I saw of a crown. It's a crown that supposedly that was put on the head of Christ when he was being tortured and tormented by the Roman soldiers in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. I don't know if this is the actual crown or not. I know for many, many centuries, it's this, this crown has been venerated. It's been protected It's priced in the untold, who knows how many hundreds of millions of dollars. There was an image of a Catholic. The story goes, there was a Catholic priest with a fireman that literally ran into a burning building to save the most precious loom, the most precious artifact in the Notre Dame. It's amazing. Uh, Something else also came across my my attention. And when I saw this image, it just struck me, just struck me very interesting. It's It's a picture of the cross. This picture right here, if you saw the image, there's actually video of it. The firemen were walking into the building after the fire had been brought under control. And they were looking into the auditorium of this cathedral. And there, when they looked to the front, the cross. (laughs) Come on, the cross still stood. The cross still stood. And you say, well, what is that all about? What I thought in that moment was that this crown and this cross got the attention of the whole world. This is Easter week. Come on, this is the week that Christians celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And no matter what you believe, no matter what you think about God, no matter what you think about Christ, let me tell you today, the attention of the world, the attention of the world is hearing this message across the planet, that there is a God who came in the form of man. His name was Jesus. He lived a sinless life. He, w- he died on the cross. He went into the grave. And on the third day, he rose again. Come on, give God a great big hand. I love what the scripture says about the cross of Christ. In Colossians chapter 2, the Bible says that you were dead because of your sins. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all your sins. He forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us. He took it away by nailing it to the cross. Because of the resurrection today, my past, my past is forgiven. And the potential for your past is to be forgiven. So what does resurrection mean to me? It not only means my past is forgiven, it also means that my present is filled with God's power. Filled with God's power. This same man, Paul, who had this encounter, this terrorist, this same guy that had this encounter with the resurrected Jesus on the road to Damascus would go on to say, this is my prayer for the church. 
This is my prayer for God's people. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe. For every person that believes in him, this is the same mighty power. Everyone say mighty power. Come on. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. It's not a little power. It's not a small power. It's a great power. It's the greatest power. It's the power of God that flows from his very life. That, at that same power, the worlds were spoken into existence. It's that same power that raised Christ from the dead. The moment that we believe, the moment that we believe the potential for us to understand that great power is now living in us. The power of God. The power of his presence. The reality of who he is. Someone recently, I heard say this very thing. I feel so lost. I feel so lost. I don't know what to do. It's the cry of the ages. My life is out of control. I feel powerless to change the situation. I feel powerless to fix my child. I feel powerless to break this bad habit. I feel powerless to get out of debt. I feel powerless to manage my schedule. I feel powerless to raise my kids, deal with my boss. God says, my power is available for those who believe in him. The question you must answer today, the question you must answer today, do you want to get out the crazy train? Do you want God's power and God's presence? Jesus and dealing with the man who'd been born lame and laid by this pool for years and years and years would come and he would lay by this pool. One day he encountered Jesus and Jesus looked at the man and he said, do you want to be healed? Do you really want God's power at work in your life? This is what the Bible tells me. God's power is in me to live not as a victim, but as a victor. God's power lives in me not to be overcome, but to be an overcomer. God gives you, God gives me the power to change. That was good preaching. Romans chapter 8 says it like this. But in all these troubles, we have complete victory. We have complete victory through Christ shown his love for us. That's what resurrection means. That's what resurrection means. He's enabled us to live victoriously. What does the resurrection mean to me? It's not just that my past has been forgiven. It's not just that I just have power for the present. No, I have a promise of a future hope. I have a promise of a future hope. Paul, the Bible says it like this, another one of Jesus' disciples. This is one of the 12 that Jesus had called. This is a guy that was a rascal. He was a rascal and a rebel, but when he encountered Jesus, his life was changed. And Peter, who would become one of Jesus' closest friends while he lived on planet Earth, would talk about this resurrection power. Look what he says here. He says, he has caused us to be born again. When my sins are forgiven and I'm living with God's power in my present, he caused us to be born again to a living hope. Come on, say a living hope. It's a living hope. It's a right now hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. A living hope. A living hope. It's your inheritance. It's imperishable. It's undefiled. It's incorruptible. It's unfading. And it's kept in heaven just for you. Oh, you got to hear this today. God has an inheritance for you. 
a future eternity for you. God has a plan for you, not just in the here and now, but God has a plan for you for your future. I love this thought. Years ago, I had an aunt that passed away. She'd never had any children. She, she had worked her whole life and saved lots of money and and, and when she uh, got to the, I remember her telling us, well, I'm going to leave you some money. And, you know, and you're a kid. Ooh, I'm going to get left some money. And, and uh, so when my aunt passed away, there was a will. There were eight of us listed in this will. And, and uh, uh, my cousins, I had three cousins and myself, my four sisters. I remember my, I got my family together, got my sisters together, and we all sit around this will. And, and then when we opened up the will, we opened up the letter, we began to read the will. Uh, there was uh, my cousin's names, and there was a dollar amount, but it was blocked out. And then there were our names, and there was a number. It was all scratched out. And then there was $1,000 that was left to each of us on the stipulation that we didn't give it to the church. I remember when I got that $1,000, I said, well, that's a good amount of money, but you know what I'm going to do with it? I'm going to give it to the church. <laughs> it was my inheritance. Oh, with excitement, we look forward to opening an inheritance. Let me tell you today, there's an inheritance far greater than any amount of money, than any aunt, any uncle, any parent. It's the inheritance of the resurrection power of Christ that lives in you and the future that God has in store and planned for you today. Oh, God has a living hope. God promises you a better today, tomorrow, and forever. Notice I said better, not easier. There's nothing easy about living a God kind of life. Nothing easy about it. As a matter of fact, it'll cost you everything. It'll cost you your plans. It'll cost you your dreams. It'll cost you your desires. It'll cost you your way of living in place of a new way, a new life. Oh, it'll cost you everything. But in turn, in return, you get everything. You get a life of God. You get a life of abundance. You get a life of peace that the world can never, never offer you. You, you get a life of joy that you can never drink, smoke, attain, adhere, vacation. You'll get a life of joy. You'll get a life of love, the love of God that will never leave you. As a matter of fact, there was a group of people that lived 2,700 years ago. They had lots of problems in their life. They were living in slavery. They'd been taken captive by a group of people. And God raised up a man who would speak a word to them. It was a word of hope. And in the darkest moment of their life, where they felt like they were powerless and they couldn't change, God says this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Come on, give God a hand. God has a future for you. I don't know what your future is, but this is what I know about God. Your future is so bright, you're going to need sunglasses to see it. God's power, his resurrection power is eternal. It will never die. The fact is none of us in this room want to die. None of us in this room want to die. Ponce de Leon, he looked for the fountain of youth. Come on. He looked for the fountain of youth. He never wanted to die. No one wants to die. That's why we puff it. That's why we fill it. That's why we cream it. That's why we grow it. Sew it in. Come on. We want to live forever. No one wants to get old. Every time I look in the mirror, I say, that ain't me. I said, the Eugene that I know has got a full head of hair. That's not me. That's another guy. Guy snuck in in the middle of the night. No, we all want to live forever. 
There was a, in the London paper, The Sun, this past week, there was an article. The article said, the brain keeps on working after you're dead. What I want you to know today, it isn't just your brain that keeps on working after you're dead. Your spirit keeps on living after you're dead. God is alive. God is real. He's created you to be a spiritual being with an eternal purpose. God has a future and a plan for you. The eternal hope that God offers is only to those who put their faith in Jesus. Now, I want you to hear the rest of Dylan's story. Check this out. I can't do this. I keep doing this. You know, like I can't stop. It's like I don't have control. Like, I wanted to be better. I didn't want to be this broken criminal that I've become. So I called Teen Challenge. So they brought me to the hospital. I detoxed for a week, and then they picked me up from the hospital and took me to Teen Challenge. And once I was clean, they admitted me into the program because you have to be clean to get into the program. And I didn't even know this was a discipleship program at the time. I just thought this was a year-long rehab. I was in my dorm one night. I was having these cravings to find some drugs. I didn't want to leave because I wanted to do this thing. I wanted to quit. And I didn't want to do what I did a trillion times before. We would go down to the auditorium that they had. I've been there for three, almost four months, and, and I haven't, like, I just kind of stood in the back during, during the worship time. And so I, I went up to the altar, and I got on my knees for the first time, and I prayed to Jesus, and I just imagined him holding me, almost like a baby. And so I'm getting, like, tingly, like, thinking about it. I was released. Like, I got, like, saved like instantly like that. I didn't have that feeling no more of the, the cravings uh, to do the drugs. I felt so good after that and God embraced me and I felt loved. Who is, this? what is this, what is this, who is this, you know, person that I've been missing out on? I really dove into the Bible and I really got into it. And during the program, we came to City Church a couple times uh, on the weekends and I really liked the music. I really liked the atmosphere and the people were very friendly. I came here uh, after I graduated and I, I wanted to join the worship team. I did the growth track and then uh, I got on the team. And it's been awesome ever since. And I got baptized. I wanted to get baptized at, at my church. I've been clean. I met my wife here at the church. We got married. I have a baby boy. We have a house, car, all this stuff that I, I didn't, couldn't imagine. I couldn't even think. I have a whole new life now. What would I say to someone who's been going through the same thing I've been going through? I would say don't lose hope, because that's the biggest thing. There's been times where I wanted to kill myself. You just feel trapped. I don't carry this shame around with me. I don't anymore. It's because of Christ. That's it, and it's awesome. Find Jesus. Find you some Jesus. <laughs> I am a man, and I'm a husband, and I'm a father now, and I'm a son, and I was an addict and uh, Jesus saved my life. Come on. Did you hear what Dylan said? I have a whole new life. Ladies and gentlemen, Dylan is actually in this service. He's in the back of the room. Dylan, will you stand real quick? Come on. Dylan, will you stand? Let's give Dylan a great big hand. Come on, the untold story. Jesus still changes lives. His resurrection forgives my past gives me power for the present and fills me with a promise for the future. It's the heart of God today. It's the heart of God today. Dylan talked about his powerlessness, 
but he found that reality of a new promise. You heard the brokenness of his past and the deep desire to change and his complete failure to do so. But you also heard the untold story, his new story. Christ came into his life. Do you know how that happened? Do you know how it happened? The Bible has one word, one word that represents change. It's the word repentance. It's a, it's a very unusual word. It's unusual because it's not used a lot unless you're a parent. <laughs> you're trying to get your child to repent. You repent. No, it's in our culture today. We talk about we talk about all these modifications and all these kind of things and talk about change. But true change never happens till we get really real about who we are and who God is in our life. To repent, according to the Bible, in Acts chapter three. Repent means to change the way that we think about God. That's what it means. It literally means to change the way that we think about God. Change your mind. Turn to Him so that you can be cleansed. So you can be cleansed from your sins. And God will send a wonderful time of the reality of His presence, of His resurrection power in your life. That's what it means to change your mind. Billy Graham, the famous evangelist, once said, if I had two words to, 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 to describe repentance, I would use the word, turn around. Turn around. Make a U-turn. Today, you can turn around. You can have a new way of living, but you got to do something. First of all, you got to be contrite. you got to have a heart of contrition. you got to recognize and realize today that you can't change yourself can't change. You're powerless to change whatever that problem, whatever that circumstance, whatever that reality inside of you that you know is bringing you to a bad place in life. You've got to be humble before God. The second thing you must do is you must confess your sins. The Bible says it like this. If we claim we have no sin, we are fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all of our wrongdoing. Confession. Confess, Jesus, I need you to come and to change my life. I need you to forgive me. Jesus, I'm powerless to change myself. Will you come into my heart? Will you fill me with that resurrection reality today that my sins are forgiven? Jesus, will you come in my life and fill me with that power that gives me the strength and the ability, not on my own, but by your power to change? Jesus, my life needs a sense of purpose and eternal, eternal hope. God, I need that today. It's so simple, so simple, but so hard. All these excuses our mind wants to make, Jesus just says, come to me. Come to me, all you that are tired of trying to do it on your own, and I will give you rest. I want every person to close their eyes and bow their heads. God is in this room right now. He's here to change your life. I want to ask you a question. What does the resurrection mean to you today? Has your past, do you know the resurrection power has forgiven you of your past today? Do you really know that? Do you know that? I mean, men, well, I haven't had that addiction, but you got something in your life. Every person has had something in their life that they haven't been able to change or fix. Relationship with a parent, a child, a boss. Some internal thing that drives them to do things that they know they shouldn't do. Have you experienced the resurrection power of Christ that's healed you of your shame? Do you know today that you've been forgiven of your past? 
Uh, maybe you're here today, you say, you know what? Man, I, I want to change. I really want to change. I'm hearing this and I, I wanted this today. God says, just receive me. Receive my resurrection power. It's real. It raised me from the dead and I will come into you and I will raise you from the dead. I will give you spiritual life and the power to be a victor. Do you have a promise of a future hope? Are you living just for the moment? God wants you to know his resurrection power tells us that we have an eternal hope found only in him. What about you today? What what does a resurrection mean to you? Have you made that decision? Have you surrendered your life? I'm not talking about going to church. I'm not talking about being religious. I'm not talking about doing penance and Uh, I'm not talking about just feeling bad for yourself, feeling bad because you did something wrong. No, no, no. I'm talking about a heart that's surrendered. Saying, Jesus, I give you my heart and my life today. If you're here today and you know your life isn't right with Christ, you know that reality of the resurrection isn't living and working and dwelling in you. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three three. Come on, right now in this room. Come on, in this room right now. Anybody here today? Anybody in this room? Anybody here today? Amen. Come on, there's no one like this between you and God. Don't miss this moment. Don't miss this moment. God loves you. God loves you. Don't miss this moment. I want to do something real quick. I want everyone to look up here at the screen real quick. Just look up at me here, up here at the front. When you came in today, Everyone here received a card. We call it the City Church Weekly. It looks like this. If you could just take, you guys could turn the house lights back up for me, please. If you could just take this card and uh, just hold it out. Just If you have one of these cards, just wave it at me real quick. Come on, just wave it real quick. All right. On the bottom there, there's A, B, C, D. A, B, C, D. Uh, and we're, I'm just going to walk through these real quick. If you could take the card out, make sure you have a pen. Come on, if you could have a pen. Just put your name at the top if you'd like. Maybe put an email address. But we're going to walk through this real quickly together. A in this card represents I've already accepted Christ. If you're a Christ follower today and you know that you have a relationship with God, just check that off. Just check A. Hey, I'm I'm right with God. He's working in my life. His resurrection is a reality. If you know today, you know you're still struggling, you're working through this, maybe you said that prayer. Listen, you can check B. I'm beginning a real relationship with Jesus. I'm beginning a real relationship with Jesus. See, I'd like to consider a bit more. Maybe you're here today, you heard me, still not convinced, you're still thinking about it. Man, that's good. That's a good place. At least you're acknowledging where you are with God. And then D, I don't intend to make that decision. Every year we do this, there's always someone that'll check on there. I don't want to make that decision. That's between you and God. I want you to know today, we love you. God loves you, and we'll be praying for you. Now, don't pray for y'all. We'll be praying for you because we know that God has a plan I want you to stand with me, uh, uh, congregation. Worship team's going to come, and we're going to close with this dismissal song, and then Pastor Glenn's going to come and give us some information on our way out. Let me just pray over you today. Father, thank you today for the grace that you've extended to every one of us. Thank you for your love and your kindness and your mercy. God, I ask right now, Lord, that that resurrection reality would become real to every person that's here. We love you, Jesus, in your wonderful name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together.